everyone, I'm Gaston. And I'm Frank. And we're here on The Bubble talking about Magic the Gathering, competitive scene community, and lifestyle. And this week we have probably our most prestigious guest thus far. We have Hall of Famer Paulo Vitor Damodorosa coming to us all the way from Brazil. Paulo, hello. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. So, Paulo, for those out there who are listening, you know, you probably already know about PV, but, you know... Maybe we have listeners out there who are new to the scene or who may not know a lot about you personally. Would you offer an introduction as to who you are and what your role is in, in, in or with Magic? So um, I'm Paulo. I'm a 29-year-old um, professional Magic player from Brazil. Um, I was the youngest player in the Hall of Fame for quite some time. Actually, this year we had two people who were younger getting uh, as well. But I have 10 PT top eights, which is basically the the last day of the competition that you, you get the PT, which is tied for second most. Uh, I've been Brazilian captain four times, and I have a bunch of GP top eights. So I've been playing Magic for a very long time. I've been playing since I was eight, so about 20, 21 years ago. And I also write for Channel Fireball. I write weekly articles for them, strategy articles, uh, strategy articles usually. So yeah, awesome. that's about it. <laughs> you also write some amazing pop culture articles that I love every single time you do them. So thank you so much for doing those, too. I think everyone really likes reading those. And your tweets are great, by the way. Just digression. Whenever a magic thing's happening, I love what you're posting on there. But uh, anyway, um, kiss ass yeah. moment aside. <laughs> I knew that would get a response. But uh, so a uh, most recent event that happened, uh, PT Kaladish was, what, two weeks ago at this point? Yeah. About that. I know. I know you obviously went to it. What was your uh, What was your experience like in that tournament? And was it different than any other PT that you played at thus far? It actually was. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, oh no! <laughs> oh, like, wow. My time in Hawaii was great because Hawaii is amazing. But we really misjudged the meta game. Like we chose a deck that we thought was great against aggressive decks, but could never beat Marvel because we thought no one was going to play Marvel. And then it was by far the most played deck in the tournament. Like twenty five percent of people played it, so we all did horribly. It was, I think, our worst showing in a PT ever since we started our team. It was really, really bad. So wait, you did you play and test with Team Channel Fireball? No, I played with Team Face to Face. Oh, okay. Yeah, Team Channel Fireball actually played Marvel. Yeah, that's why I was I was a little confused. Okay, did anyone from Team Face to Face do well, or was it just kind of a disaster? No, it was a disaster. We have one player in the top thirty-two, I think, Andre. And he might not even have top 32. We had one player who cashed. Everyone else did badly. We all day two which was the best conversion rate of all the teams. But we, we spread our wins really badly. So we had a bunch of, you know, 8 and 8s or 9 and 6s or whatever. 9 and 7s. And no one did actually well. Man, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note. Uh... <laughs> on that very happy note. <laughs> I was hoping you would say something like super great about the pro in Hawaii. Be like, awesome, moving on. You know but, what? Like, <laughs> to be fair, like a lot of the people who played Marvel said, yeah, it was a good deck, but a lot of us didn't enjoy playing it anyway. So, I mean, it was an interesting pro tour. Yeah. Well, I definitely didn't expect people to do it. It just it caught us really off guard. Wait, I'm curious. Why did you not? Did you think it was too obvious or just too fragile or what? Well, we just didn't think it was very good. Interesting. Um, like, you were basically, you know, flipping coins against everybody. It was like a 52% coin flip or whatever, but you, you just have no control over what's happening in any way. And the deck just didn't win that much. 
Like it didn't do well at the tournament. It was 25% of the field and only one person updated. And that person went, I think, 6 0 in draft. So yeah, that's a good so point. The, the yeah. deck actually did horribly. And we just expected people to not to, not to play it because we thought it was bad. But I guess people were just too too in love with the fact that they were doing something different and broken. That like the the chance of doing something right and broken just was just more important for them than the consistency. Yeah, it actually reminds me a little bit of uh, the Avicen Report Pro Tour, where Alexander Hain played Miracles, and they joked you could determine how often the deck won with the calculator. So it kind of felt <laughs> like the same thing, where it was just kind of like leaving it up to roll the dice if you were going to win the games or not. Yeah, it's basically that. That's funny. So you don't you don't expect this deck to show up in big numbers moving forward, huh? No. I mean, I think it will still exist, but if you look at the GPs that happened, there were two GPs that happened last weekend. Uh, right. It didn't really do well in any of them. Yeah. Yeah, blue-white flash kind of uh, and green-black are dominating the field right now, huh? But anyway, yeah. we're not here to talk about standard, and I'm sure Paula <laughs> will be writing plenty about standard, and I'm eager to read what you have to say and your thoughts. But uh, we really were excited to bring you on because uh, as you who listen out there know, Frank and I do a lot of work with the League of Legends community, and the question of sustainability is like a hot keyword right now that's happening. And we wanted to bring that and kind of explore how that relates to magic. Because we have a lot of our, you know, a lot of our friends and, and peers are, are heavily involved or growing in terms of their involvement level in, uh, in the competitive scene, but not to the degree that obviously Paulo has, especially given the, the accolades that you listed off in your introduction. Um, so we, we really wanted to take this opportunity and chat with you, Paulo, about how that notion affects you as a professional magic player how you've seen it affect you and, and you know we can we can start smaller we we, we can delve into the conversation later. but one, one of the things that you know to start the conversation is um a lot of people who are in esports don't really see magic in that lens in that kind of definition what's your take on that do you do you think they're right and not seeing magic in terms of like an esports as, as a game or and, and if so do you think there's something that's missing to kind of elevate it to that level I, mean, I think it really depends on your definition of an eSport. Uh, I don't think Magic is an eSport. When I think eSport, uh, I think League of Legends, I think Dota, uh, you know, Counter-Strike, uh, StarCraft. I don't, think, I don't really think Magic. Uh, I think, to me, there's just too much luck in Magic for it to be considered an eSport. Uh, That's interesting. You know, the best player wins like 65% of the time. That's really, really low. And you don't see that in any of uh, the other esports. But then there's Hearthstone that people consider an esport. And it's also a card game, like Magic also has luck. So that part is the puzzling part to me. Like in, in my mind, neither Hearthstone or Magic are esports, but people consider Hearthstone an esport. I think it's probably because of the community. Uh, what do you mean by that? Do you think it's just a bigger community or do you think it's just not as exposed as Magic is? It's a different community. It's a community that is more based on streaming and videos. Uh, which is not really the case with Magic. Magic has a lot of written articles. Like, I remember when I started playing Hearthstone, I was looking for articles to read, and there was just nothing. It was all streams, it was all videos. Um, and Magic is also a paper thing, and all those things are, you know, in the computer. So I, I guess that would be the main distinction. Like, if I were to classify eSport or not, it would not be based on paper or online, but it seems to me that that's what people do. So I think that... That would be the explanation. Um, and also a lot of... Sorry. No, no go a, ahead. Go ahead. A lot of like League of Legends pros started playing Hearthstone. 
um, when it was released, like I saw how they would play between streams and stuff like that. So it kind of got the same uh, crowd. So the people that like one like the other two a lot of the time, and I don't think that's necessarily true for Magic. Yeah, so I find it interesting because, like you said, Hearthstone is a lot more similar to Magic than it is to other, like, even Blizzard games like Overwatch or StarCraft. Um, and yet all of the all of the sponsors and all of the multi-gaming teams, um, when Hearthstone was coming up, immediately started sponsoring players. But there really isn't any crossover between gaming teams that sponsor, you know, Hearthstone players. None of them have really gone to Magic, even though, like, there is a Magic digital product. Um, why do you think necessarily that... The, the kind of magic sponsorship base and the rest of esports sponsorship base is so different. Like, do you have any ideas as to why that might be? I think it probably has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, again, magic is a paper game and it's not really part of the culture to just watch streams and, you know, televise everything. Uh, they're starting to do that now, but it, it wasn't always the case. And the numbers for magic are really small if you look at only this. Like, there are millions of people that play magic, it sells really well. But you don't get that many viewers. Like, I think the most popular streamer in Magic is probably LSV. And I think he averages about, you know, three to 4,000 players. And that's it. Uh, th sorry, three to 4,000 uh, viewers. And yep. that's it. That's the most popular one. But every time you go to a Hearthstone stream, there are like three different people that have over 10,000. So in this regard, Hearthstone is a lot more appealing for sponsors because, you know, it's the same kind of people that that they want to appeal that the the people want to appeal to when they're sponsoring you know for league of legends teams or or counter-strike teams or whatever uh and you also had a lot of get a lot of different viewers and for magic you just wouldn't you wouldn't get that many so that that is the big problem i think and like you said, and this is where I, it's kind of hard for me to understand exactly magic is is incredibly popular it sells very well but as far as, you know, an online community and people viewing, um, it just hasn't been the same, even though there's similar numbers of people that actually play the game. Um, so in that respect, I wanted to ask, like, is there, is there like a core difference in Magic that makes it less spectator friendly? Or is it just, you know, people that play Magic casually aren't interested in watching it, like people who play esports games casually are interested in watching? I think it's a, it's a combination of things. Uh, first, it, the, the online program for Magic is not good. Uh, it has a lot of bugs, the interface is bad, a lot of things don't work. So that makes for a worse viewing experience if that's what you, you're watching. Um, the second part is that I think Magic is just more complicated than those games. Like for Hearthstone, it's really easy to follow along what's happening. Uh, for Magic, it's not necessarily that easy. There's a ton of incomplete information. And like, you know, sometimes players are doing things and you don't understand what they're doing because they're doing things in response to one another. In Hearthstone, it's all more clear. Uh, Hearthstone was just designed to be a spectator sport from the start and Magic wasn't, so I think it's much better at that. Uh, and there's also the fact that in Magic, the good plays aren't flashy. Like, for example, I, I like watching League of Legends and then I see Faker play and it's like, oh, wow, that's so great. I would never be able to do that. Like, how does a person do that? That's just amazing. You know, it's it's a feat. It's like watching Olympic gymnastics or whatever. You get super impressed. And in Magic, someone makes an awesome play, you probably don't even notice. So That is so true. <laughs> so it's not yeah, as appealing. True. Like, you know, I'm not going to... You're not in awe of it. Even if you watch the best players play Magic, you, you just... You, often you don't even know that they are the best players. They just do whatever you would do. And at some point, they make a different decision in the middle of the game 
that if you pay very close attention, you realize that it's actually, you know, a great play, but no one does that. So it's not visually appealing, I think. So yeah, probably a combination of all those things. That's an interesting point you bring up, because it's true, like the highlight reels that people point to when they're talking about magic, right, are like the videos of top decks or... Yeah, like it's just like, the, yeah. yeah, exactly. Anyone can do that. It's not impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, right, that's yeah. That, that's actually something I hadn't thought of. Basically, all the most watched video clips of magic right, are just yeah, pure they're luck like, they're things. Like, I'm going to draw my cruel ultimatum, and then he does it, right? Or people talk about like, the lightning helix. Bon- or the bonfire or whatever, yeah. Or that storm spell missing five times. Uh, but <laughs> Dragon that, but, storm. That's interesting then, because like, you know, from your perspective, right, you're, you're clearly, you're professional magical. You've been doing this for a while. You're obviously very invested in this scene. What do you, like, you know, I guess my question, and it may not be fully fleshed out, but, you know, when people talk about sustainability in esports right now, one of the big concerns is how do you define the career of, of a player? And people are trying to kind of create a path and almost like a, like a scheme for a you know, what, what you pay a player and kind of what their role is and how they shape their careers and their life and their day-to-day schedule. Is that kind of something that you think about when you think about magic or, or not really? Um, can you be a little more specific? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess my question is, is more geared towards uh, what do you think is the role of a professional magic player? And do you think that's something that should be defined in terms of – if somebody says – I want to be a professional magic player. Do you think that there should be standards that that person should be able to kind of claim in terms of like, I will make X amount of money. I will do X things like this is what my schedule. I'll will play look like. how many different tournaments. I'll write articles like compare right, that like, to esports. Is there kind you... of a definition for what being a professional magic player is in your eyes from someone who's been doing it versus, you know, versus how people define it in other games? So I think for Magic, if you can make a living out of it, you're a professional. Uh, and that amount changes radically between person to person. Uh, and also depends on where you live. Like, So like, I make more money from Magic because I live in Brazil, because our, our money is worth less. But I also spend a lot more money in plane tickets and stuff. So sometimes it depends out. But some people just have one side or another of that. So it's much harder to be a Magic pro if you live in you know England. For example, because it's just it's worth less money to you. That's all in dollars. Uh, but yeah, I think my definition would just be that you know you don't have another job. You can just play magic, and you can have your house and your life, and you you can do the things you want. That would be being a professional to me. And are you completely full time? You don't have any other jobs. Is magic like your full time gig all the time? Yeah, it is. Well, I also write about magic, which is a big part of it. But yeah, it's all including magic. I don't do anything else. Um, and then one of, one of the questions, because, you know, I, not necessarily to, to make this about finance, but also just about, uh, you know, the sport of it. And, and you know, you, you alluded to Magic not being a sport, but then I'm trying to figure out exactly where it fits in the big scheme of things. Like, is there a formula to another game that you can kind of compare what you would equivalent like, professional Magic to, to kind of resemble? Or do, you, or do you just see it as its own, as its own thing? Mm, I kind of see it as... As is its own thing. I think it's very different from Hearthstone, for example. Even though they're both similar games, I think in Hearthstone, the money is in being popular. So a lot of the top streamers aren't actually good. You know, they're they're passable, but they're not the best players. But they get so much money because they're so famous. They're entertaining, they have a big following. 
uh, they're just famous personalities. And that is your end game, I think, if you play Hearthstone. Like, if you, if you were Hearthstone Pro, you, you should be trying to figure out how you can become popular. And, you know, some, sometimes you become popular because you win BlizzCon. But that happens to very few people. And it does has not happened to a lot of the popular streamers. Uh, in Magic, I think the money is in being good, not in being popular. Uh, because there isn't, again, there isn't this culture of, you know, following streams, having a big following, being that famous. Uh, so you can just get your money from tournaments and from sponsorships. And sponsorships uh, will sponsor you if you do well in tournaments, not if you stream a lot, because you're not going to get many viewers. So I think that is one big difference. Like, if you think, oh, I'm going to be a Magic Pro, the way you do that is by winning matches. It's not by being popular in any way. Uh, obviously, it helps, but it I don't think it... It should be your end game. Whereas in games like Hearthstone, it should be your end game. And in games like League, you have both. Like you have people like Faker who are popular because they're good. And then you have a bunch of streamers that are not in the LCS, but they still get like 30,000 viewers. So I think, yeah, yeah I think the really paths are different. Do you think that that's necessarily like a problem for Magic? Because basically that means that a magic player's income is dependent almost entirely on their prize winnings and then what websites will pay them to write articles versus um, like Hearthstone players or really any sports players where they have streaming and then they have salary from teams, then they have individual endorsements and sponsorships and that type of thing. Is there, um, because what I, I see is that there are like the percentage of magic players that, you know, play competitively, but are able to make it a full-time job is, is a lot less than in other esports. Do you think that that's necessarily a problem or is there something that magic should do to change the amount of people that can actually make it a full-time job? Or do you actually think that it's fine the way it is? And this is kind of a pretty healthy pro scene. I mean, I think it is a problem, but I think it's, in theory, it's not okay that the very best players, you know, don't actually make that much money. If you look at, you know, Bjergsen or whatever, how much money he makes in a year, you just, if you get all the pro players combined, it's probably about the same amount. So, all the Magic players. So, uh, yeah, in that regard, it is a problem, but if you can still make a living out of it, I don't really know how to fix it. Like, there's nothing short of just add more prizes. Uh, I don't think you can make Magic you know, be a popular spectator sport all of a sudden so that I would stream and get 10,000 viewers. I just don't see how that's possible. Um, it is good in some ways, though, because I think if if the criteria for you to to be a pro is to be good and not be popular, I think the barrier of entry is lower. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. easier for you to just dedicate yourself a lot and become a Magic Pro than to do that with Hearthstone because you just there's just a very tight community already of the people who are already there. And it's much harder to break through. Whereas for Magic, if you start doing well, that's it, you are there. So it, it relies a lot more on you. Like, it, you have all the control. Other than, obviously, luck and bad luck. But, like, if you dedicate, if you if you play that a lot, go tournaments, then it's on you. It, it's only on you whether you're going to become good or not. And in Hearthstone, it's not only on you. Sometimes, you know, you're just not an entertainer or you just... You just don't have what it takes, or you do, but no one's watching you because they're already watching other people that came before you. So, in in that regard, I think Magic's better. I like that actually. That's a very good point. Well, I'll, I'll, to kind of piggyback on that, I have a question because, like, you know, we were talking to other gold level pros and platinum level pros um, earlier in the in the season of our show, and one of the theses that like kept coming back that a lot of people kind of hinted at is the fact that they started Magic. And they eventually became professionals at it. 
because Magic kind of, for the casual and for the people that are starting to enter the competitive scene, kind of sells you this this vision, this dream, which is kind of what you're talking about, which is like, if you're good enough, like, you can do it too, right? Like, I mean, you have the path in the PBTQ, PTQ, Grand Prix, Pro Tour, and if you rack up enough victories in here, like, you can eventually start competing with the grades, with with people like like you, right, and, com- and competing in these big caliber tournaments. What's your... What's your perspective, you know, because like in other sports, in other esports, like there's a very clear divide between the people that are spectators and the people that are pro gamers, right? And you kind of talked about how the fact that those games are kind of designed with that in mind. But what, what's your take on, on, do you agree with this set statement that, that Magic is kind of like an inclusive game in that way? And if so, do you view that as necessarily like a good or bad thing? I think it's more inclusive than Hearthstone, but not necessarily more inclusive than League of Legends. I think with League, if you're really good, you're going to get on a good team too. But I, I don't know much about the pro scene, but I imagine like if you're super talented, like someone's going to find you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas for a game like Hearthstone, you know, maybe not. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's true. And I think that's usually a good thing. It's obviously not... You know, there are a bunch of barriers that you have to cross as well. Like, the cards are expensive. Uh, the tournaments could be far from where you live. So there are a lot of very talented people in Brazil who just cannot go to a tournament. Like, they have their right. visas denied and stuff like that. So it's not just uh, it's not just on you. I kind of overstated that a little bit before. You know, you just don't decide and go. There's some things that have to go your way. But, yeah, I think as a whole, uh, it is true that it... You know, you just the self-made man thing. Uh, you can do it. Uh, you need a little bit of resources early. You need time and you need to dedicate. But again, it's entirely on you. I think that's a good thing in general. There are barriers, but they're not super high. Would you say that... I know you've, t- you've talked about this on Twitter quite a bit, just to kind of follow up on what you're saying. Do you, do you still feel like you living in Brazil is a bit of a disadvantage to you kind of... Um, I think I, I even, if I remember correctly, once you said it's actually harder for, you know, obviously you're in the Hall of Fame, so you can go to every pro tour anyway. But um, I think I remember you saying it was harder for you to get pro points than a lot of people, especially like particularly Americans. Do you th- still think that it's harder for people that live in Brazil and South America in general, or has that actually changed in the last few years? It's changed a little bit from when I started playing because of Magic Online. Uh, before, it was really, really hard, and now you can just win a tournament in Magic Online and you go to the PT, which is a lot of what Brazilian uh, players have done. But it's still much harder than living somewhere like the U.S. Like, things cost so much more money. There are visa problems, and for some people, there are language barrier problems, and it just takes so long to get anywhere. Like, for example, from Hawaii, I left Hawaii on Monday, and I arrived on Wednesday evening in my house wow that's insane so it's like 40 hours and like two days two weeks before that or three four weeks before that i went to worlds in seattle and it was the same thing like this weekend i have a gp in santiago which is supposed to be our local latin american gp except there are no direct flights from where i live i i live actually close to santiago like it would be you know a three four hour direct flight if you could fly right but there isn't one so i'm flying nine hours Ugh. and that's our local tournament and for someone in the U.S., like, they just not fly nine hours. They have a tournament they can fly one hour to. So, it, yeah, it is very different. Like, um, we were doing the math, and by the end of this year, I'll have spent 202 days away from home. 
Wow. Which is just more than half the year. And it's something I have to do if I want to be competitive. Some of that was just sightseeing and stuff. But mm-hmm. like it, it demands a lot more from you if you don't live in a place that is close to the tournaments. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to a certain degree, well, I was going to say, to a certain degree, that's kind of what magic sells you also, though, right? Doesn't it sell you the the vision of play the game, see the world? Uh, Obviously, it's amplified for you in the sense that, you you know, you don't live in the the United States, which is the hub for magic. The the big majority of the scene exists, but I don't know. Like, are you saying that as a a con or or kind of as a pro, too, that you get the opportunity to travel, like, all these big major cities as, as a result of being invested in the game? It's both. Uh, I like it. Uh, there are a lot of pro players who say, you know, I would just prefer if every tournament was out in my hometown. And that's not the case for me. I think traveling is a, and knowing new places is a big part of why I started playing Magic and a big part of why I continue to play Magic. So it's definitely a pro, but it's a pro that a lot of other people also enjoy while paying a much smaller price than you. So it is a pro, but for me specifically, also a con. So... It's still a good thing, but it is definitely harder. If you have you ever um, have you ever considered may- trying to live in the U.S. for a bit, or do you just love love home too much to even consider that? I thought about that. I actually had plans to move to the U.S. Um, like a year ago, but it's not very simple to move to the U.S. And we had some, you know, personal struggles, and decided it would be better for us to just stay home, me and my girlfriend. So I'm not moving, but I've considered it. I think it would be better in some better for some reasons and worse for others, but yeah, right now it's off the table for me. So um, the next the next question that we had and and it's it's interesting because uh, uh, you know what you're, what you're saying kind of already started feeding into this answer, but uh, we you know th- there's been pros out there in the scene that have achieved really high caliber statuses within Magic, but then we've seen them navigate towards other games. Right, like namely Hearthstone, which is like the one that we're talking about uh, a lot because it's the biggest comparison to Magic. Uh, what what is your take on on people achieving such you know Hall of Fame levels? You know, in the case of like Brian Kibler or you know platinum platinum level Pro Tour winning like like Sivka has, um, and navigating towards a different game. Do, do you see that as just a transgression of, of esports as a culture, or do you see that necessarily more? as a specific case for magic? I think it's a specific case for those people. Um, because I think, in general, like it is better to be a Hearthstone pro than a magic pro. Uh, but it's also harder to get to if you weren't there from the beginning. But f- those people managed to do it, like Kibler and Sifka, for example. So they just went through what was better for them. I think they make more money uh, they get invited to more things. Like in Hearthstone, for example, if, you, if you're popular, you get invited to a bunch of small tournaments with huge prizes. That, that just doesn't happen with Magic. Um, with Magic, you have to kind of like earn your way through everything. And in Hearthstone, I feel like that's not always the case for a lot of the big tournaments. Uh, and I think there are just more possibilities. Like Hearthstone scene is more open to, for example, pro players doing commentary, like Kibler. He wanted to do commentary for Magic, but they didn't want him to. And Hearthstone wanted him to, so he went and, and did it. Like, I don't think it's, it's necessarily something about, you know, esports or, or not. It's just that people in Hearthstone treated him better. 
Mm-hmm. So he moved. He's just making way more money. Like when when Keebler streams Hearthstone, he has ten thousand viewers. When he streams Magic, he has three thousand. So why would he stream yeah. Magic? And, and did you ever consider the same thing, like trying to make a permanent switch, like he did? Because I know you said you tried out Hearthstone and you comment you've you commentated some events. You even commentated um, major events, but you obviously came back to Magic. So. Um, was there something about the scene that, you know, just didn't really work for you or did you just really like magic that much? Well, it was a bunch of things. Like the, the moment I started playing Hearthstone, I was kind of a bad place with magic. I hadn't worn anything in a while and I wanted to try something different. Uh, and eventually I started winning again in magic. So I just went back to that. It was more familiar, but I also didn't think I was ever going to be very popular. So like if I thought it was all about being good, then maybe I would have dedicated a lot more to it and I would have become good. But I felt like I missed my timing, you know, or or maybe that, you know, there's just not fit for my personality or whatever. It was just that I didn't really see myself streaming for 10,000 people. I just didn't think that was going to happen. So it seemed like there's just not much for me to do. And I want to kind of talk, you know, you talked about the opportunities and the way, especially with Kibler, you alluded to the way that the Wizards of the Coast or whatever other entity responsible for tournaments for any specific case kind of presents opportunities or doesn't. Um, and that, to me, you know, goes to a bigger conversation that, you know, Frank and I have have had both about matching and other games in terms of, like, what's the vision for the competitive scene for it and has it reached its peak? When you look at Magic the Gathering, you know, as, as a sport, you know, you being like a professional player for it, or, you know, maybe sport's not the right word, but yeah, as a professional game, where do you, do you think it's reached kind of like its peak of like, this is the highest we'll ever like get in terms of like, you know, either spectators or like event caliber and, and it'll kind of stay this way? Or what, what do you see as like the future for Magic moving forward, if not? Um, I hope it hasn't <laughs> reached its peak. Sure. Uh, I know that they they don't think it has a Watsi doesn't so they're trying to move it in a direction in a more esports direction. Uh, they, you know, they're trying to improve their online program and they're trying to improve their broadcast and stuff like that. So they want to move Magic into a direction like like Hearthstone, like League of Legends. Um, and I don't know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Uh, they, I like what they're doing with the team thing. So they they have a new team series that's supposed to you know showcase showcase the best teams and have they have big prizes for that. And this is an effort to get more people to sponsor Magic because it's easier to sponsor a team than an individual person um, and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's possible that we haven't reached our peak yet. It is also possible that we have and we're just deluding ourselves and Magic will never be an eSport. <laughs> no, I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> but I hope that's not the case. I know that they want it to be more like League and Hearthstone, so they're going to they're gonna try to make it happen. Do you, so you are uh, a fan of the changes for, for like the team environment? Yeah, that was my question too, yeah. Yeah, I think the team thing is great. I mean, there are a bunch of details that you have to figure out, but I think the general idea of having teams matter more in Magic is good. Do you um do you think that um do you like all of the changes that they've been making in Premier Play, like the new top eight and some other things that have been going on? Is there anything that you would change or that you would add in that to make Magic either 
uh, a friendlier spectator sport or, you know, better stories for casual fans or just kind of, you know, better for the pro players? Is there anything that you or other pros that you know have talked about wanting that is either on the way or you think should be added? I mean, I think priority number one is probably having a better online client. Um, there's just the way Magic Online is right now is just not good, and I think it cost them a lot that it's not good. Uh, only things pertaining to pro players, I think if I could change something, it would be I would destack the prize payout because uh, it used to be more spread, but nowadays they just want that big number. So they're like, okay, let's cut money from everyone and add it to first place. And, you know, that's really good for first place, but it's pretty bad for everyone else. And in Magic, I think for it to be sustainable, for it to be your career, you have to consistently do well. And they have to reward people who consistently do well. Like a PT has 400 people. You can't be like, you have to win it, otherwise you cannot be a professional. Because there's a lot of luck in Magic too, and a lot of people are very good. So I, I feel like they should... Um, I would hope that they spread out payouts a little bit more. Like right now, if you win the Pro Tour, uh, sorry, if you win World, for example, you get like 70,000 and then you get Platinum for the year, you get invites to the next World Championship, you get invites to the Magical Line World Championship. So you get so much compared to what you finish second place, but you get money and nothing else. So it's really hugely stacked in favor of, of getting first place right now. And that's not how most people make their magic careers. It's not by finishing first place over and over and over. It's by consistently doing well, and they're taking money away from those people because they want that big number. They want to be able to say, oh, this tournament is giving 70000 to the, the winner, and that looks right. really good. But for the players who are actually magic professionals, it's not that good. Yeah, right. And we've talked a bit about like the variance inherent in the game. Um, the fighting game scene is, has the same problem where a lot of the prize pools, 90% go to the top three people, whereas in uh, other esports, a little bit more spread. So I do think that that probably would be better. I don't know if it would be better for the game. It would be better for the professional players, for sure. But maybe right. you know, maybe it's worth it if the game becomes way more popular because they have this this bigger prize for first place. I wouldn't be able to tell you that, but yeah, the general idea of just stacking prizes for first place more and more and more, I just don't like it. Well, actually, while we're on the subject of tournament scenes, because, you know, you just talked about the concept of like, is this, you know, is this decision better for the pros versus is this decision better for uh, for the, the health game. of the game? Yeah. Uh, you know, because I, I know a big conversation, uh, we had like guests such as Mark Calderado on the show, you know, who works in coverage, kind of talk to us about his perception of it but from your perspective what do you see as like the big narrative that's currently being sold in a magic event such as the pro tour or the world championships and we you know in, in terms of like are we selling the story of the cards are we selling the story of the teams and how does that affect you and what would you prefer it to be if, if you're not content with the current one um i think they're a little bit confused in what narrative they're selling uh, they kind of go between, you know, players and the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I would prefer, personally, if they focus on the players. I think that's just more interesting. Like, it is also... It is what I like to see in every other esport. Like, if I, you know, if I watch uh, a League of Legends feature, I want to read about Faker, I want to read about the Rocks Tigers, I want to read about, you know, TSM. I don't want to read about Caitlyn or Azir. Like, right. those are just characters I don't care about. I care about the players who played in. Like, I'm going to watch a game because it's the people that I want to watch playing against each other. I'm not going to watch because they're playing this champion if 
if they're not interesting people. So to me, people are a lot more appealing than the cards or the champions or and whatnot. And I think in Magic, they often focus a lot on the cards. Like, you know, the big star of the tournament is like Gideon or something. And I don't know if that's good or bad for them. But for me, personally, both as a spectator and as a player, I wish they focused a little bit more, a little bit more on the people. But I think it is something that they're trying to change. Like this team thing, for example, it does not, doesn't relate to cards. It's selling... Uh, mm-hmm. The team narrative, so it's like the Rock Certainly. Tigers or whatever. So, in, in that regard, I think it's getting better. Yeah, yeah, you know, we've seen like strides to do that as well. With like now they're doing like the whole like <laughs> the crib, what I like yeah, to the, call the, it. Section. The cribs episodes, <laughs> yeah, where they like, show the team houses every PT. Yeah, but no, but but I agree with you. I mean, it sounds like you're suggesting that a, a player and a team focused narrative would improve the health of the, of the professional scene as well as the game itself as well. Yeah, I mean, at least for me, like, I, it's possible that other people just think differently. I, I haven't really talked to many people about that, but it is what I like to read. So I imagine it's what most people like to read, but maybe not. I mean, I agree. I think there's something to be said. I think that the whole team dynamic is, is, is really exciting. Uh, you know, you know, you, you got teams like Team East Westball coming up and, you, you know, you move to like face to face and there's channel fireball that's still existing and and i i do agree that there's there's a lot of untapped narratives that and we know when we had mark come on the show he was talking about how much he loves those stories as well um they're cool i mean i'm excited just as much as you are to see if that unfolds in that direction for sure but um anyway frank yeah what's our next point talk to me um i wanted to know um there's obviously a lot of different ways you could take your magic career, but you've stuck with magic for so long. And I'm curious, after all of the time you've played magic, what is it about the game that keeps you coming back over and over again? Um, so I think it's mostly three things. Uh, the traveling, I really like you know, going to different places, and magic lets me do that. Uh, the people, uh, because I think with magic, I met a lot of people I would never meet in any other way. Like if you look at our team, for example... Uh, there's like Andre Ostrowski, which is a 20-year-old player from the Czech Republic. And then there's Johnstone, who's 40 years old from Canada. And then there are people from Japan. There's me. And there's all age ranges and, and locations. Like, how would those people ever meet? And we're, you know, we're very good friends. We're people with very similar interests. And I really like hanging out with those people. And if I stopped playing Magic, I wouldn't be able to do that because they live so far away. It's just, it's just I would never, ever meet any of them if I wasn't from Magic. But I think the most important part is probably the lifestyle, which I've grown very accustomed to. Uh, for example, I, I can wake up at any time I want. I can dress however I want. Uh, I can spend the whole day playing League of Legends if I want, or bridge, or just watching TV shows, or practicing magic, or reading articles. So basically, I, I do whatever I want. I test for however long I want, and I'm the only person that's impacted by that. So I think having this sort of autonomy is very, very important to me. Like, I like being able to, you know, have this interview at midnight because I don't have to wake up early tomorrow. And for a lot of jobs, that would just not be possible. I would just have to be like, yeah, let's reschedule that. It's too late. So I think this is the part that draws me the most towards it is just that I'm my own boss. I do anything I want. I think that uh, the people is definitely something that every Magic player who has ever traveled to an event can kind of agree with i think that for gaston and i who at varying points have had motivation problems and sometimes wanted to quit it's always the friends that keeps you coming back to the game yeah no it's definitely 
very a very big part. Awesome. And to kind of wrap it up on a, on a positive note, uh, I, I would love to hear from a fan perspective and also from from an analyst perspective. Uh, what, what you know? What would you, if you had to choose, you know, right at the top of your head? Well, you know, what are some of the moments when we're talking about your love of magic and like what keeps you going back? Like, what are some of your fond memories or specific ones you can recall? as like these are these are certain highlights of my career that I can point to and know that this was fantastic? Uh, well, a lot of the times I did well uh, would be highlights. I think the very first time I took the PT was in Charleston uh, many years ago. That was super nice because it was a team tournament. And it was me, Vili, and Salso, so two of my Brazilian friends. And then no one knew any of us, and we just crushed the tournament. And that was the first time people actually got to know who I was. And from then on, I started doing well, and people started talking more about me. So that was that was really good. It it, it showed me that I was I was able to do it at the highest level. Uh, and the fact that I got to do it with two of my friends at the same time because it was a team event was just great. Um, I also remember the first time I qualified for a tournament in Hawaii. Uh, you know, now we had a PT Hawaii two weeks ago or whatever, but they've been having them uh, constantly. And the very first one was uh, one of the first PTs I went to. And it was just so mind-boggling because most people in Brazil don't even know what Hawaii is. Like, they, you know, you, you think Hawaii, okay, you see, like, Ula and, and dancers and coconuts, but people don't really understand what it is because it's so far away. And it's just, I don't know anyone who's been to Hawaii, uh, if not for magic. Like, no one goes there. It's so far. And yeah. same for places <laughs> like Japan and Australia. And the first time I got to go to those places, it was like, oh my God, this is something that I'm going to do that no one else in my family has had the chance to do and none of my friends have had the chance to do. So this is really worth a lot to me. It's just, it really meant a lot. I was just very, very excited and to go to those places. And I think, I think the moment I qualified to those places, like, oh, wow, I'm actually going to go there. It is a real place. Like this thing that wasn't part of my world now is, uh, was really important to me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And hearing yeah. your perspective on it, especially from someone who's achieved so much in the game, like, what astounds me about what you're saying is that it's very relatable to you know, my own experience. Even though I haven't reached the, the levels in the game that you have, it, there's still so many resounding qualities that, that strike in my own experience of the game. I'm sure that's relatable to across anybody else who's listening at home. Um, so that's great to hear. So, Frank, I want to I ask you, do you have anything else you want to ask before, I, before we end up... Th- wrapping this up um i just want to say thank you to paulo because uh it is always nice to hear what people at the top of the game feel about what's going on and it just feels like all of us have the same love of the game love of traveling love of people um regardless of how good or not we are and it's just uh it's good to finally talk to you after uh following you for so long mm-hmm. yeah it was good to talk to you too <laughs> cool. Well, Paulo, do you have anything else that you want to add before uh, to either any closing thoughts, something you want to offer about either the game right now, your experience moving forward, or the concept of magic as an esport and, and its place in the gaming environment? Well, I just want to make clear that, you know, for all the things that I, I talked about, I think magic is a great game, and I'm really glad I got to do it for a living. Uh, it might not have seemed like in this interview because we kind of, you know, I think we kind of went in a direction you know, what should magic change or what are, how is magic different from other things? 
and it got maybe a little negative at some points. And obviously, I think that there are problems with the way you play Magic professionally. There are some things that are bad in Hearthstone in League. But I think I really, really like the lifestyle. And, you know, it's 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 a great game, and I'm very glad I get to it professionally. So I don't want to leave you with the wrong idea that I'm not happy about it because I really am. Awesome. And then in terms of health, like, do you think the game is at a healthy point right now, especially in the legacy that you've had in comparison to previous years? How would you rank the current state of where you are and where Magic is in the, in the big scheme of things? Um, I think Magic is in a good place. I don't know if it's the highest point, but it's definitely good. And regarding me, I'm in a decent place. Like, I have been in a better place, and I have been in a worse place. And I'm much closer to the best place now than to the worst place. The worst place was really bad. It was about, it was two years, period of two years, about two years ago, or from two to four years ago. That was really bad for me. Um, now, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing relatively well. Um, I think I kind of got spoiled from how I started because I did so well so quickly. Like, I cashed my first nine PTs or whatever, and I had, you know, three top eights for 18. And, wow, that's insane. And stuff like that. And, you know, that was probably my high point, and I'm probably not going to get to that again. But, yeah, I think I'm in a pretty good spot with the game right now. Awesome. Well, Paulo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Loved hearing your thoughts on what you had to offer, especially from the wealth of experience that you have. For anybody out there who's listening, if you have any questions that you want to ask either me, Frank, or even Paulo, I'm sure he'd be receptive to it. In terms of where you see Magic fit in the big scheme of the esports world that's popping up, what your experiences are, feel free to let us know, tweet at us, follow us, and uh, and let us know what you think. I'd love to hear it. But follow again. Thank you again for those of you out there. I'm Gaston. I'm Frank. And we are on the bubble. Thank you.